Welcome to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. It's another day pushing for another way to elevate, levitate. Heaven sent me to celebrate, verbal demonstrate until it resonates. Because I never knew what trouble was. Stayed inside the lines of a bubble buzz. Try to tell the truth with a touch of love. Utilize the words to do what subtle does. But now I see it fully. Life can be a bully. Battles are a force turning veteran from rookie purely. I gotta keep it real no matter what the format. Talking with my friends like Peter McCormack, tell me where the corn at. Head into the moon, I'll bring a couple friends that are with me in the room. Whether in the street or on 50 Zooms, yo, I always kill a beat like the studio's a tomb here on Galaxy Brains. As always, I'm your host, Alex Thorne, head of firmware research at Galaxy Digital. Thank you so much for listening to Galaxy Brains. We have a great show for you today. Peter McCormack, host of What Bitcoin Did, chairman of Real Bedford Football Club, is our guest. We're going to talk with Peter about owning a football team, a soccer team for our American listeners in the UK, what it is like. He's kind of like a modern day Ted Lasso. And also what Bitcoin did, one of my favorite podcasts in Bitcoin. I think the largest podcast. We'll talk to Pete about what it's like to run such a large media organization. Of course, we'll check in with our friend Bimnet at BB from Galaxy Trading, as always, to talk markets, FOMC meeting today. And before we get to that, I need to remind you to please refer to the link to the disclaimer in the podcast notes and note that none of the information in this podcast constitutes investment advice or an offer recommendation or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Phineas, we have a podcaster on the podcast. I was very excited for this episode. He's somebody we look up to in the space. Absolutely. You know, and, and his story, it's kind of shocking. It's far more interesting than he maybe even gets credit for. I mean, you, you know, he purchased a football club in the town he grew up in yep. and he's trying to infuse bitcoin culture into this town yeah and become sort of like a global leader and it's working that's the crazy thing he's telling people that run businesses that are not related to bitcoin that adding a bitcoin feature can be a cheat code as he calls it because you tap into a global community a global audience and literally global money uh, that can help jumpstart and add more, you know, buzz to your business and bottom line revenue. By the way, something that happened since we recorded with Pete, there is a dispute in the town of Bedford. There is actually another football club in Bedford uh, that apparently it appears may have an improper relationship with the town's government. And the town's government is effectively threatening or, or has threatened to pull the lease for real Bedford's pitch for their football field and it's very improper as Do far as we can tell documentary coming soon i i hope i mean truly wild stuff yeah, in the really, world of football it, i think it's one, one thing i wanted to call up that i think is so fascinating is one of the biggest challenges in crypto over the years has been practical application a uh, culture change right merging cultures and what he's done is he's taken bitcoin and crypto in, in large degree and, and merged it with cultures that we know so well and we feel so nostalgic for. Small right, town, right. football, you know, all, all of these things. You know, he, he was talking on the show and about like after the games, they all go to the pub and, you know, right. it's, it's merging in the same way, you know, that, that other places like Bitcoin Park and PubKey are doing as well. This is just a totally different spin on it. So anyway. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, when PubKey uh, Football Club, uh, Thomas, get on that. Let's get right to our friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading. Let's go now to our friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading. As always, Bimnet, welcome to Galaxy Brains. Thanks for having me. Big day today, Fed Day. Huge day. 
Yeah. Basically the Super Bowl. And it was a big day, right? Because Unbelievable day. Tell us what happened. So we started the day with ADP, which came in softer than expected, around so 100,000 jobs. Employment data that was soft. The employment cost index came in at 0.9 versus expectations of, of, of 1%. Uh, so a notable measure for wages that Powell specifically tracks and loves mm-hmm. uh, came in soft. Um, in addition, you had a uh, regional bank that was experiencing you know, pretty significant drawdown in its share price as a function of uh, loan loss provisions. And so we're seeing some weakness in finance, although it does seem um, a little bit idiosyncratic. You had the, you know, uh, refunding announcement um, also uh, in the morning, but that didn't, you know, really move markets. Um, but that kind of gave a really aggressive bid to fixed income in, a, in advance of the Fed. And we saw, you know, two-year treasuries and all the short-dated FOMC pricing uh, move super aggressively, almost as if Powell had happened at 8.30. <laughs> and then we got to Powell. Yeah. And the statement read, you know, more hawkish than, you know, I think more, most market participants expected. Right. And really, uh, during the presser, uh, the, the key takeaway and the key statement was March is not likely. Yeah. Right? For cuts. For cuts. Yeah. But the pricing is still uh, at, you know, call it 35%. You know, call it eight, nine bips or some, somewhere around there. Could cut. Could cut. And the logic, the essentially that he gave out in terms of the Fed's response function that would get them to cut was like continued progress on inflation. And so basically, you know, they've had six months in a row of really good inflation data. And that's why, you know, the run the six month run rate for core PCE is below two percent, which is their their target. And the three months actually one six. But specifically they probably need to see a couple more months of that. And if you got something even lower than that, then, you know, you could potentially be talking about earlier or bigger cuts. But it basically set the stage for the Fed to begin cutting around the spring of this year. I would say most analysts expect, you know, May, June, uh, September cuts, you know, to the tune of, you know, for the calendar year 2024, anywhere from like 100 to 150 basis points um, is kind of where the range of expectations are. And, you know, that is, is going to hold. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say equities did not like the the, the pressure. They, they traded down. S&P was, you know, was off a percent and a half. And NASDAQ, you know, was off, you know, close to 2%. Um, some of that was based on on, on earnings that, that we had. But a lot of it is just, you know, Fed's not cutting in March. Um, and then lastly, you know, there was, I would say, minimal talk of, of the balance sheet and, and normalizing the runoff. But that's going to come into focus, you know, around the same time when, when when cuts start get going. I'm in the camp that they need to be cutting already. Yeah. I think the way we're looking at data now is is entirely not representative of the data set in the sense that, like, I'll give you one example. There's the establishment survey for non-farm perils, and then there's the household survey. The disparity between the two, it just keeps on growing, and it shows a totally different picture. And if you look at more qualitative things like, how many people have two jobs, right? What are the kind the kind of work that people are doing? Is it white-collar work that is increasing or is it, you know, more blue-collar? And when you start to look at the qualitative measures of things, the employment picture doesn't look great. And then, you know, more and more people, like every podcast that I listen to nowadays, you know, obviously ours is the best. <laughs> yeah. But more and more people just highlight the fact that these surveys are just not that reliable. The response rates on these economic surveys are abysmal. Wow. Right? And, you know, another thing, I mean, there was an analyst on TV talking about it today, but when you look at, like, state-level employment data, 
like state by state level employment data and then compare it to the national average, you're like, wait, two plus two is equaling five right now. I see. And so there's just so such weird distortions that I think you need to rely on other things and you need to look at things, you know, more realistically. And realistically, we have core PC, you know, that's around 2%, likely going to be around 2%, and you've got a Fed funds rate that's at 530. That means you have 300-plus basis points of restriction in the economy. And I think the main thing that I know for sure is that the business cycle has not gone away and that it kind of seems like things are shifting in the sense that, you know, companies are more comfortable laying off people. Like you're seeing more and more layoff headlines, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, you're starting to see a normalization of supply chains post-COVID, Right. And so I think the world is becoming much more normal and therefore monetary policy needs to be much more normal. And we're about 300 basis points away from normal right now. Yep. And I think reinflation risk is a little overhyped. And I think some people lean on commodities and stuff. But like you look at China, they're having like a financial like a GFC type of yeah. event in, in their markets right now. And oil, even with all this stuff in the Red Sea, is barely reacting. Right. And so I think you're you're at a point where, you know, the commod complex is healthy. I think uh, in terms of not that much upside risks and the global economy is slowing. That's why other central banks are, are cutting. You had surprises in UK CPI. You've had, you know, ECBs expected to cut in April. Like it's all going that way. And the Fed, I think, is a little behind the curve at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. They're just they just want to hang on. They don't want to do it just yet. You had said a, maybe a few episodes ago, if you're gonna do it in March, which now they now he's saying they oh, won't. If you're gonna but do we'll it see. in May, might as well start in March. And if you, and you kind of like may, theoretically, they could have already done it. Like yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of it, it's just delaying the inevitable for. And you were also making the point about the the politics point, which is if you're gonna be cutting. You, you want to have been cutting by the time, if you're the Fed, by the in time the, the presidential election comes. Yeah. You don't want to, like, wait, 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 and then just, like, cut rates right before the election and somehow, again, because that destabilizes the economy um, and then be perceived as to being unfair and whatnot. I just want to throw out one more thing. So now, you know, now we're thinking, what, between March and May maybe they cut or uh, on March or May? And that's the current thinking in the market, May. right? May. May. So in April, uh, Bitcoin will automatically tighten its monetary policy with no involvement from humans. So we're saying then maybe then the arbitrary uh, human intervention in markets in May will give us some respite from these high rates. I just want to point out that contrast because I think this is a year of clash. You've got the Bitcoin market and phenomenon smashing on Wall Street like a wave. Uh, generational clash happening between young, you know, Bitcoin people and older generations that now have access. They're they're calling up to learn about it. Gold bugs, um, and and you've got the clash happening between traditional market structure and infrastructure and Bitcoin infrastructure, which are now combining in some ways. But you've also got the clash between predictable, programmable money and unpredictable, arbitrary money, which is going to play out again in the spring of an election year, just like it did in 2020. What do you think about that? I I love that juxtaposition. Thank you. (laughs) It is phenomenal. And it's so crazy. The smartest people in macro, they're all saying, you know, in five, ten years' time, like, the fiscal deficit is just going to be at the forefront of, like— Every conversation. Every conversation. Yeah. And it's like, if those guys, like, fully embrace Bitcoin— (laughs) <laughs> it's game over. They're going to have a real leg up when it comes to that thing. Yes. Uh, Bimnet Abibi, our friend from Galaxy Trading. Thanks, as always, for coming on Galaxy Brands. Thanks for having me. 
Let's go now to our guest, Peter McCormick, host of What Bitcoin Did. My friend, Peter, welcome to Galaxy Brains. Thanks, man. Dude, I've been listening to your podcast for years. Thank it's, you. It's, it's always funny and surreal to have a podcaster on the podcast. It's always surreal. Do you go on podcasts? Not, not often. I think I'm a terrible guest. <laughs> I do. I, like, I get flustered. I could talk about, I'm, I'm a good guest about football. Yeah, well, okay. that's what we're going to talk about yeah. because obviously we could talk about Bitcoin. I'm terrible. We, both of us talk about Bitcoin for our day jobs. Yeah. But I really want to talk to Peter about running what Bitcoin did. As far as I know, the biggest Bitcoin podcast, we, we've gone off of YouTube subscribers um, is because there's no public data on yeah. like Spotify and whatnot. A huge podcast. I'm a big fan of it. Thank um, you. And yeah, I continue to be a big fan. One of the few that I listen to, I tell our audience, I basically listen to you and um, Castle Island's podcast. I listen yeah. to Marty and Matt o Marty Ben and Matt O'Dell occasionally. And, and look, I mean, uh, there are other good ones, but I don't have a lot of time. Um, uh, that's but my also, mix. Also, um, the Ted Lasso of Bitcoin. The uh, the what do we call you? The owner of chairman. Real Bedford FC. The chairman. Yeah, chairman of Real Bedford FC. Um, we're a big supporter of Real Bedford here at Galaxy. Um, so I want to talk mostly about football and yeah. podcasting. But Talk we were, world. just before we started recording, we were talking about Ireland. Yeah, nicest people in the world. Great people. I had great food in Ireland. People get, give Ireland a bad rap for food, apparently. Well, the, so... Because well, they don't like uh, like uh, shepherd's pie, I guess, is what they are mad about. So I think UK and Ireland are similar in that, like, our middle-of-the-road food, like, just standard pub food, is not great. Yeah. Our top end is very good. Yeah. Whereas you come to the US... Uh, I think your top end is very good, but your middle is is it's also pretty good. Well, it's good, but it's like totally. It's, seen, it's, cheese, it's just cheese yeah, and meat. Cheese and meat. Have you seen those um, videos where like uh, British folks come to the U.S. and they like find out about like Chick Fil A or something? Have you? Chick Fil A is oh my god, it's so good. It's so good. Shout out Bojangles, also excellent wow. chicken. Um, our my boss owns a lot of Bojangles. But people kept saying to me, like, for years, have you had Chick-fil-A? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's KFC. It's literally oh God, delicious. It's the chicken's so good. Yeah. But there's some videos where, like, the, like, uh, Europeans, like, find out about, like, American fast food, and, like, it's so good, to be so clear. Good. It's very bad for you, but it's delicious. So, Pete, um, let's, we'll get into Real Bedford. Let's yes. talk about what Bitcoin did. Yes. How many episodes have you guys done? I don't know. Uh, Several, seven, eight, five years, four years? Nearly 800, maybe. Gosh. Yeah. That's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah, isn't and, and more Danny, than eight hundred. Danny is here off Danny camera. Danny is seven hundred and sixty episodes. Yeah. Um, you 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 guys do it well. They're they're excellent quality. Thank uh, you. Guests, host, production. I've been on a couple times. I've been fortunate to be mm -hmm. on a couple times. And you have. Um, that's the thing that as a podcaster I think about a lot is the quality of the production. Yeah. Literally, you do. You're in New York. We're in New York now, and you come. On location with a bunch of stuff. By the way, I should also shout out your your thing on Argentina was great. You, you in person though, you get it because you do it here. I much prefer in person. In person, it's got it's got like I hate remote interviews. Me too. Every time we do one, I phone up Dan. And I'm like, I hated it. <laughs> hated it. Uh, I'm distracted. I'm bored. Yeah, you you need to be in the room. I really believe that. I think that you guys do a great job with this. You have to travel a lot though. I think there's three reasons for that, right? Okay. Uh, firstly, you hang out before the interview, so you settle. The interview itself is uh, a lot more real you don't you have less talking over each other because like you get the visual cues that someone's going to interrupt you you don't have the latency and then thirdly you also hang out again and then you become friends with that person and so like future interviews become a lot easier yeah i agree so and i'm a in-person maxi now you what bitcoin did is your primary job right no no not in terms of time money yeah 
in terms of time, it's the football club. Yeah. I mean, Danny Danny runs the podcast. Yeah. Like, he's the uh, secret source. Shout out to Danny. It's Danny's birthday today. Danny Knowles, happy birthday, my friend. Yeah. Um, so, and by the way, shout out to Phineas. It was his birthday yesterday. Our, our guy Phineas, our audience knows Phineas. Um, so, again, okay, in terms of money, though, like, like I want to ask you a little bit about the business of running a podcast. I yep. mean, you, you, um, we're not going to get into the, well, I was going to ask about Bitcoin culture because, because, you know, you put yourself out there if you do media um, and everyone's got to say, they all think something. They yep. think, let's take Bitcoin. They think, oh, you're, you're not sufficiently a Bitcoiner. Oh, you're too, you're too much of a magazine. It's one or the other. Yeah. Um, how do you manage that? I know people who know you like I do, um, and your guests, they, they know you. It's not, no one's, mm -hmm. no one's like, oh my God, because let's be real. Bitcoin Twitter is not real life. I had a good mentor. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my mentor, when I launched a podcast, a guy called Rich Roll, very successful podcaster, millions of downloads. He's, he gets unbelievable guests now, like you know, A-list celebrities. His background's like, uh, he's a vegan ultra athlete. Uh, and at the time I launched my podcast, my mum was sick. She um, she had cancer and I went vegan with her because one of the things that uh, people do when they have cancer is they stop drinking and they go vegan. So I did it with her, was running loads and discovered his podcast and then ended up going, he, he had a retreat on and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go. I don't know why. I just decided to go <laughs> and became friends with him and I just said, look. When what Bitcoin did retreat? All right. Yeah. Well, well we, yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I just said to him, well, he's at the end of it, I think he said to everyone, like, if you're ever in LA, you know, look me up. And yeah. So I literally booked a flight to LA and I went, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, all right, come over. I went over to his house. I said, look, I'm level with you. I want your job. I want to do what you do. How do you do it? And he told me. And I said, like, what's your advice? And he said, look, you don't know how many people have come into me and said, yeah, I want to start a podcast. And yeah. 10 episodes in, they've given up. So you have to you have to accept this like years of hard work to make it work. And he said, don't change. Like, do not let the audience change you. Don't let people shout at you, change you. You know, avoid the audience capture, just stay you. So that's what I've done. I've just always like just been me, which is sometimes a bit of a moron, sometimes saying stupid shit. But like, Whenever I say something, if I say something, I definitely believe it. I'm not saying it for anyone listening. Yeah, well, well let me ask you about this because I, I and, and this may be totally unfair, so cor yep. correct me if it's not, but I, I've thought of you in some cases as the Joe Rogan of Bitcoin. Well, that's a hell of a compliment. It is, <laughs> but but here's the, I'm going to let you down on this one. Um, here's what I mean, and, and now Joe has evolved over the t over time, but I used to think of his his interview style as sort of like, I don't know anything, please educate me. Yeah. And I'm thinking about of the not the pub key, but um, the uh, X pub, the, the X pub yeah. thing. And I think of you, and this is sort of how I think of your interview style, which is like, let me have on the experts, let let, let them educate me, and therefore educate the audience. And yeah. and it's one reason I love your podcast too. It's one of the ones, one of the few that I. And we don't run this podcast. Our podcast is really for people that know about Bitcoin and crypto. Mm -hmm. This is for. I think our audience will know people that already know a lot about it, right? But but I, yours is really good for bringing new people in because partly because of that interview style. Is that something you thought about specifically? Yeah, I mean, look, like I have a thesis on this that there's uh, I've tweeted about this. There's three types of interview podcasts. There is two smart people together. Yeah. So that might be Eric Weinstein and I don't know some scientist. And then you have a moron, a smart person, which is like Joe Rogan. And, right. uh, and then two morons, which might be like Jake Paul and <laughs> some other idiot, right? Yeah. And, and there is a place for all of them. Right. There is totally a place for all of them. But those are the three archetypes. They're, they're the three. And yeah. so I'm like a moron, a smart person. And when I 
my previous career was um, advertising. Uh, I, I originally started as a planner. And I, th I always say to people, the best book I ever read was a book by Steve Krug called Don't Make Me Think. Yeah. It's all about like uh, UX design. But it's literally just do not make me think. And so that influenced the podcast in that what I'm trying to always do is help the listener understand complex things. And so occasionally you get somebody who's listening. They're like, oh, you're such a moron. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you listen to the wrong show. Right. Go and, go and listen to Stefan Levera. Right. With, with, um, it's more technical yeah. or whatever. Yeah. They're, they're two smart people. Right. And, and so, yeah, I've always kept it that way. Just like, and then look, look, sometimes now I'm asking them, look, can you explain that? And I know what the answer is. Sure. But most of the time, it's just it's just like, yeah, be curious and explain it like I'm five. I, I love this. I'm yeah. not wrong. This is this is a part of a strategy. You think it's part of the archetype? Uh, no, I, I just think it's who I am. Well, I, 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 okay, I don't mean to say yeah. that it's like conniving or anything. I just mean that um, I, apparently I'm not wrong to think of this podcast this way. But, so it comes through is my point. I, yeah. This is my organic thought of your podcast. It's, by the way, it's been it's one of the only podcasts that I send to like newbies in Bitcoin. Yeah. Because it's very accessible. But I will say you've done a great job because I am a professional in Bitcoin and I also love it. I, I think you also do a good job with it. So yeah, well my guy. <laughs> let's not just let's not be too too pro Peter here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um but it is it is um it, it is interesting, right? Because we we don't, for example, this podcast, as I said, is primarily for professionals in the space. I mean, that's how we've done it. I, we could try to do it differently, but um, I can't be the head of research at Galaxy and do the moron expert no. thing. That doesn't work. No, no, you don't. But look, a huge part of it, I'll, I'll say, he's in the room. Is, is like, is Danny? I always, I'm always very pro yeah. Danny explaining it. Yeah, he he gets very shy and like uh, humble about it. But like Danny runs the Danny runs the pod. Yeah, if people want to come on the show, I'm like speak to Danny. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, he guides a lot of the topics. I, you know, I'll push back as well. But Danny essentially runs it. But he also runs it so I can run that. Can we talk about a couple that you've done that I that come to mind? I in particular, and I don't wanna, you know, look, we're competitors now with ETF, so I don't want to talk too much smack. It's not it's not it's not polite, but your podcast with Michael Sonnenschein in what, like June of last year ish? Yeah, in PubKey. I mean, yeah, at PubKey. Yeah. You had had him on in the past before and he agreed to come on. I don't know why, because you absolutely smoked this guy and there but anyway uh what was that like because this is this is a just for background and for the audience like so you had so he's the president of grayscale i guess he was like sure we'll come on this is right around uh, this is before they the, asked to come on yeah they asked to come on yeah so i think they i think they screwed up so yeah. what happened is i think they wanted to go on a pr tour um, this is just before they ended up winning the court yeah. case by the way yeah that's where you can hold two truths one truth is uh, everything that uh, Grayscale, Genesis, and DCG did is shady, to say the least. And then they won a lawsuit, which was brilliant for everyone in Bitcoin and wants ETFs. You can hold both truths. Right. You can say you screwed up there, you did a good job there. It's yeah. not. It's not either or. Agreed. But anyway, so when we were, we were planning to come to New York, Danny was like, "Should we try and get Michael Sonnenshine on the show?" And I was like, "There's no point. He's never going to come on the show. Let's right. not bother." Uh, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, and then an email comes from their PR company. They're like. <laughs> Can Michael come on the show? I was like, you know, funny enough, we're in New York. And they're like, great, we'll make it happen. I was yeah. like, I cannot believe it. This is, can't be happening. So then they reached out and said, can we have top? Uh, can we have the question? I said, look, we never give questions in advance because we don't, the, the, the interview goes It's a normal guess, flow. We don't know yeah. the questions. You're not reading off a script. So here's some topics. So we did. So we gave him the topics. And then David Bailey, I spoke to him. I said, look, I've got this coming up. Uh, can we have a call? And we had a call, and David Bailey went to all the detail of you know, uh, Genesis and Grayscale. And, and this structure. is David is the uh, 
head of, of the owner or chairman yeah. of Bitcoin Inc., BTC yeah. Inc., which owns Bitcoin Magazine, UTX, and he had he was leading at the time yeah. a redeem GBDC movement. Yes. Right? They they wanted to unlock the coins. They wanted they were they own the coins. David owned GBDC. Yes. He wanted to redeem, and I guess now that's kind of moot because now now anyone can redeem. But well, so there was so much detail in this in all this prep that he was telling me. I was like. Like to to be able to do this justice in an interview, I need to spend a week on this right. with notes, arrows, drawings, like <laughs> fully mapping everything. I was like, we're in town to do twenty interviews. I can't. I, I don't have that. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so I didn't actually know what I was going to do. Yeah. Me and Danny talked about a bunch of things, and what happened was I said, look, we, let's let's relax when he comes in the room. So he comes in. We're like, do you want a beer? He's like, yeah. So we all got three beers. Sat down out of the. You're beer. at Pubkey. At Pubkey, his uh, crisis management ladies in the room. <laughs> Anyway, we start the interview, uh, and Danny was like, do not let him off the hook. I was like, no, I'm not. And honestly, just as I sat down, it came to me. I was like, I tell you what, I'm going to get you just to walk me through what you are and what you do and your responsibility, yeah. and then I'm going to ask the big question. It was great because it was about 30 or 45 minutes yeah. into the interview. Danny was said afterwards, he was like looking in going, like, you've bottled this, you bottler. Oh, my God. It yeah. was, I mean, I, I had to go. So I listened to the audio of this interview. Yeah. Then I was like, for the audience, we'll just say, Pete, you had a good, normal, friendly interview. Let him explain what Grayscale does and do all of his talking points. And then about 30 or 45 minutes in. I called him a liar. Yeah, you called him a liar. You pinned him on on what we now know, which is that, first first of all, the next day you also tweeted um, an image of a loan document from Genesis with Michael signed. Sonnenschein's signature on it. Yeah. Because you were starting to pin him on the question of whether or not Grayscale knew about. I didn't have that in advance, by the way. Right. So someone gave said, it to you. Yeah. Somebody said to me. Someone uh, listened. They're like, if you ha had that, you should have put it out on the info. I didn't. What happened was, uh, after I did the interview, the next day he said, Oh, by the way, have you seen this? Because one of the big scandals, I would say, about Grayscale was whether or not they were aware at Grayscale that Genesis was accepting GBDC as collateral, whether they were artificially creating GBDC shares because of the ARB, right? They knew. If they, like I say- We like, know now that like BlockFi, Three Arrows Capital, a bunch of people were borrowing from Genesis and and creating GBDC shares. So, so which my, goes to Grayscale as fees, yeah. right? So there's there's a there's a there was a a, a virtuous cycle or a vicious cycle. But my there. point to Sonnenschein was like, you you had to know, and if you you're either lying or incompetent, uh, and that that burned him. But the tr I think it was a fair statement because I, I don't think he's incompetent. I right. think he's lying, and I think he had to lie. That was my view, um, and. So the thing was, I don't like doing interviews like that. I don't want to do gotchas. I think you can you can literally get away with one or two a year, yeah. Because otherwise, people won't come on the show. But but I knew with this one, this d deserved and needed to be asked. But what was really weird at the time when I was putting pressure on him, he started looking across the room to his crisis management, thinking, <laughs> "What have you What have you put me in? <laughs> Why am I here? Why what am is I this? here?" She yelled out during the interview. Yeah. And I was like, "Hold on a second, you're in here by privilege." <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, you need to shut up. You're not part of this interview. <laughs> if you don't like it, so be it. You know, right. You've tried to use us for a PR tour. We're not uh, uh, CNBC. We're going to ask you the, the question. It was really a great interview. But at the end, it was so awkward. So it was like, <laughs> so what, what did I say? I, I don't I, know. Yeah, after yeah. after you did this I don't thing. think you're going to come on again. And, yeah. <laughs> 
And like daddy was like, can we get your photo? He was like, we'll send you one. And he just like got up and left. <laughs> and, and they sat in the car outside the thing for about 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, man. And Probably having a yeah. discussion. Yeah. It, and then do you know what happened? The next day they emailed us and they were like basically telling me to cut bits saying you've got to cut this. I'm like, not cutting anything. <laughs> Not cutting anything. <laughs> I'm sure I know which part they want to yeah. cut. Yeah. Um, it was a really good interview. Um, I think it matters a lot. It, by the way, nobody has gotten them on the record like you did in that interview. I tried to get Barry. I asked Barry three, four times. I even asked, I said, Barry. Where is Barry? All right. Big week, Barry. Where is he? Um, <laughs> yeah. I asked him. Barry should have spoke, but, you know, it's he, what it is. He still should speak. Um, there's should. a lot going on. Yeah. Um, he's been in this industry for 10 plus years. I mean, he knows a lot and he should be out here. He, do you know what? He emailed me after that. He said, interesting interview. <laughs> you know, you're famous, Barry did? Yeah, he said, interesting interview. Uh, I, uh, I think there's some things you don't know. I have some alternative thoughts. Happy to chat, but it won't be an interview. Well, Bar Barry will engage. Yeah, well, let's get Barry on the record. You he know, come on record. some CEOs, Mike Novogratz, go out and talk a lot. Where is Barry? Um, would love to see him. All right, let's shift gears. I'm yeah. a big fan of what Bitcoin did, by the way, <laughs> Thank uh, you, man. as I've said. Um, let's talk about Real Bedford. Yes. Right. Um, you've got the Pirates logo on your chest right now. We've got, we're, we're big supporters here at Galaxy. Uh, we sponsor the women's yeah. uh, team. Um, Won every game this season. Let's go. First of all, t why did you decide to buy a football club? Yeah. So, look, this is a, this is a, a, a situation where everything has the stars have aligned perfectly. I want to buy my local football team, right? Because you're from Bedford, you grew from up in Bedford, Bedford, yeah. And I think we should have we, we should have a team in the football league, the first pro, four professional divisions. I don't have the money to do it. So the first time I looked at it years ago, I just couldn't do it. I didn't have the money. And then that hit me. I was like, well, hold on a second. If I make us the Bitcoin team, then because like but football teams are just a business. If I make us the Bitcoin team, all the Bitcoiners around the world will back us. They'll buy our stuff. I'll get the sponsors. Economically, I can make it work. And so and once I realized, I was like, oh, you've got to be the first. Right. I was like, if if I don't do this, someone else will. So I literally went straight out. I tried to buy the, another local team. They said, no, our rivals <laughs> hate us. Um, and so I bought the team next door in the 10th tier. And I had a uh, drink in Austin with the Winklevoss. I said, listen, I've got this idea. I want to take our team into the Football League. And I think it was Tyler who went... How do you get them in the Premier League? I was like, oh, okay. I'll come back to you on that. But well, anyway, you got to win like six leagues or no, something. No, nine, nine. Nine. But anyway, I said, will you sponsor me? And they, they went, absolutely, we'll sponsor you. And then I got five or six other sponsors. Like, okay, we can do this. Some some that I really like, Gemini, obviously, they sponsored. I, I have the original jersey. Yeah, Compass um, who? Oops. Casa. Yeah. Um, Luxor. Luxor. Um, who else was the original uh, Ledger. Sponsor? Throw them out there. Uh, Ledger, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, the BCB Bank. Yep. Yeah. The, yep. I mean, a, a bunch of people. Like, this only works with sponsors. It's, well, I mean, it's easy, though, right? The, it's not easy. No, okay, fair. The, but, I mean, the cheat code, and we're going to get to cheat code, because yes. uh, people like me buy the jersey, because it's got Bitcoin companies yeah. all over it. It's a cool jersey. It's a great logo. But you can feel like it's your team. It's like, yeah. it's, it's my team, but it's all, it like, sounds cringy. It's, it's our team. <laughs> but it is our team. It is. Like, I know as we go up the leagues and we get bigger and bigger, all the Bitcoins are going to be like, this is our yeah. team. This is our team. Screw you. This is right. our team. Right. But look, the, the, the math of uh, football is really simple. It's 60-70% of your chance of winning in a league is your playing budget. 20% is your manager, but that's an important 20%. 10% yep. is luck. And so you could have, if you've got the best team and the best manager, and you have that 10% is bad luck, you're going to win that league. Yep. If you have 
a mid-budget and a mid-manager and good luck, you might get promoted, right? right. It's, that's my thing. But you could have no budget, best manager, all the luck, you're not going anywhere. But you have a much bigger budget than everyone else in that first not, league. Not that necessarily. League. So I, the way I target is I try and have, I try and th know what I think the biggest budget is and either match it or be just above. And that's a strategic thing. But that doesn't guarantee success. So the first, I know plenty of teams who've got the best budget and they don't win things. Right. Man City have the best budget, Liverpool top of the league at the moment. I think most divisions, if you line up the teams into their order and then line them up in terms of budget, most teams will be in four or five spaces of where they are. Right. It's just a reality. Yeah. Budget gets you the players. But you have to have a manager who can shape them to win and consistently and relentlessly win. You have to do that. And then I don't want to rely on luck. Okay, so if I had to rely, but you know, because you know, for example, this weekend we're playing the only team that we've lost to, something on our midfielder Lee Watkins, unbelievable play, is injured. That's bad luck. Now we could go into that game and we could be two one up, and they get a penalty they shouldn't get. It's true. So there is a bit of luck. Mm -hmm. But the goal is to get this team into the professional leagues, ultimately the Premier League. Now everyone laughs at me for this. <laughs> everyone laughs at me because they think it's ridiculous. You, you'll see, you're taking a team that has forty fans. Three years ago to the Premier League. What do you what do you want about you moron? But what they don't understand is the cheat code. Yeah. I got it. It clicked for me straight away. Yeah. What I realized is during this journey, everyone who supports us every four years is gonna get richer and richer and richer. To the point whereby every time we hit a certain ceiling, there's gonna be people I can go and say, Look, we've hit a ceiling. Do you wanna get involved? Do you wanna support this? Do you wanna and so I also know if our Bitcoin team keeps winning and winning and winning and we get up into the leagues, we become like the rec the, the next Wrexham, everyone's going to be excited by this. Yeah. It is a cheat code. It is. And and most people can apply it to their business. And it's gone so well. Look, we won the league in our first year, the men. This year we're now top of the league again, seven points clear. And our ladies are top of theirs. They've won every game. It, the, the project is working. Yeah, it is. It is working. And it's also revitalizing the town of Bedford, yes. right? Well, look, look. Again, early days. But every game, every home game, there will always be someone who comes in like, hey, I'm from Arkansas, or hey, I'm from Miami, or I'm from Slovakia. And the people are constantly coming in. And we're now putting on the conference, which we'll talk about. Yep. You know, I've, I've worked out, I think the economic inflow to Bedford for that will be two to three million pounds, which is a lot of money. Yeah. Bedford's now on the map. No one had heard of Bedford before. I so Bedford's what, 45 minutes or so north of London? Uh, on hour? a train, an hour in the car. An hour. Um, it, it's historically a deprived town. You know, it does have certain areas of poverty. Like, I, I don't know what it's like here in the US, but the high street, the town center's dying because you know, sh most people shop online. So it's a lot of charity shops mm -hmm. or uh, betting shops or pubs. There's a lot of closed shops. I'm trying to take over. So I've, I've opened one place. I'm trying to open two more. Right. So I'm trying to revitalize it and I'm trying to make. Bedford, like the Bitcoin hub of Europe, right? Because if I do that, then it it will revitalize the it town. Will. We've just had the announcement that we're getting the Universal Studios in Bedford, which is utterly insane. What is that? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. What right? is that? Like Universal Studios, yeah. have bought five hundred acres. On what? The, so they're building a theme park? Yes. Wow. And they picked Bedford. They didn't pick London, <laughs> Manchester, Leeds. It's incredible. They went Bedford. That's incredible. The only thing, the only reason I think it might have happened is we've got the right near our football ground, literally. Five minutes. Mm -hmm. We've got two air, uh, air, air uh, blimps. You know the blimps, the yeah, air, yeah. airships. Airships. Yeah. Hangers, old hangers. They're the largest indoor structure in the UK. Batman was filmed there. Wow. Yeah, because they built Gotham City in there. So when oh, you wow. watch Batman, that's that's in Bedford. Fifty minutes from my house. Let's go Bedford. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> so I think that might be the connection. Very but, interesting. But the town is definitely just doing this shift now. Is on the map. 
Everyone is backing us apart from our next door neighbours, Bedford Town Football Club. They hate us because <laughs> they've had the monopoly for you know, decades. Yeah. They literally hate us. <laughs> They're doing everything to uh, uh, cause us problems. I don't know who those guys are. They're not on any podcast. I don't know who those guys they are. <laughs> but yeah, no, look, the whole thing's just working. It's, it's really, it's really interesting. And we've seen now, um, like, uh, what there's. Um, there's four teams now. Yeah, like in the Czech Republic, maybe? or, uh, or Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Yeah, Bulgaria is the one I'm thinking Hawaii. of. Hawaii. And Austria, I think. People are realizing that there is a global movement in favor of Bitcoin. Hundreds of millions of people love Bitcoin yep. around the world. And they also like football. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Wasabi have just sponsored another club. Yeah. Coin Corner was sponsoring Oxford City. Like, this cheat code is spreading through football. Let's talk about cheat code. Yes, sir. It is a cheat code. Yes. Um, that you've unlocked. And it's working. And we're, like, as I said, I mean, I, what do we care in New York about you know, north of London football clubs. Well, we care a lot, it yeah. turns out. <laughs> yeah. But you have a conference. Yes. Called Cheat Code. Yes. It's what, in April? Yes. So we did we did it last year, but what we did, it was like a live podcast like this, 150 people, sold out, sold out on the final week. And then everybody, we took them to the game. Uh, and everyone had a great time. Jeff yeah. Booth loved it. I mean, yeah. he had a great time. Everyone just had such a good time. And so going around to these conferences, uh, it's, come, it's become really clear to me what works and what doesn't, right? And so we decided we were want we wanted to do another one. Uh, and the things that stand out to me about conferences is that if you're in industry, you want to see your mates hang out and get drunk. Yep. If you're not in industry, you want to see the people you see on podcasts and get a photo. Uh, everyone cares about the first day of the, the conference. Second day is always a disaster because people are hungover and don't turn <laughs> up and the room's half empty. And then you always have like this weird expo hall where it's like, you've sold like space to loads of like shitty companies because <laughs> you need to bring the money in. Right. And so like we flipped it. We we'll go, okay, we're going to change the economics of this and the, the, the way it's going to function. We're going to have it two days, but the first day is the conference where everyone's like ready and fresh. Yeah, I'm up for a... Excited to be there. Yeah, let's do it. And then second day, there's no point because no one cares. It starts in the afternoon. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to... Well, no, it still starts in the morning, but what we're going to do is we're going to get a bunch of buses. We're going to bus everyone down to our uh, stadium. We're gonna have a barbecue, marquee, a party, and a football match. Sick. And I swear, I swear to you, everyone's gonna go. This was brilliant. They'll love it. I'm excited. Yeah, it's it, I, I, it. It will work. It's a. It's we're flipping the conference on its head. We're not having an expo hall. Five. Basically, if we sell 300 tickets and five sponsors, we we don't lose money. If we sell 500 tickets and three sponsors, we don't lose money. If, yep. if we sell both, we make a little bit of money. Right. We don't need. It's, this for me isn't about making money. It's not worth the effort and stress. <laughs> even even if you make a hundred thousand profit, it's not worth the effort and stress. But what it's worth to me is Bedford again on the map, economic inflow into Bedford, like yep. two three million pound recognition from the local council. Oh, somebody's doing something here. We should support them. Right. And then great for the football club. That it, I think once you go, you you really you really get it because when you go, you realize. I mean, our ground is a shithole. <laughs> it is a crappy little ground. Uh, with a porter cabin for a bar, but you get there and you see everyone has fun. It's a really good day out, and you f you feel what's being built. There is a community being built here, and so for me, it's sometimes you do things in life not for the money, for the for the for the goal, and that's what we're doing for the goal. It's a longer term play. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. Like if we can make this a regular every year, and it's only as a thousand people come in, and we do, you know, we will do cheat code Australia, and maybe a, uh, an America. If we can do that, have maybe three. Right. And rotate them each to a thousand people. It's, it's a revenue line, and it's worth for it. For sure. But the one right now is really like, you know, a lot of my attention is now focused on my town. Yeah. You know, this. What can I do to rejuvenate Bedford, make it a better place, 
uh, improve opportunity for people there. With, there's little things like we have a £12,000 a year budget within the football team so that any kid, boy or girl, if their parents cannot afford a pair of football boots, they can't afford the subs, we will pay it for them. So no kid, so every kid who wants to play football can. Yeah. That's a small start. We're opening a, uh, a rail bed for shop and cafe in the town. That's the start. You know, my, my dream is I want to build a stadium. In that stadium, we have a co-working space. We have uh, classrooms to teach people about economics and finance. We have a football academy, so kids who want to, who, because at the moment, if you're a good footballer, you go to Milton Keynes, Cambridge, Stevenage, and go and play for one of the big clubs. Mm -hmm. We want to keep them in Bedford. So my dream is, is that I can centralize this all around Bedford with Bitcoin as the cheat code. It's brilliant, and it's yeah. also, let me ask you before we wrap too about like uh, the, the Bitcoin third places, right? We're in New mm -hmm. York, we have PubKey. Yeah. There's Bitcoin Park in Nashville. Yeah. There's Bitcoin Commons in, in yeah. Austin. Um, there's one in Lisbon. Yeah. Um, LA needs one. Yeah, there's Bedford yeah. in the UK. Yeah, LA does need one. Uh, somebody was saying, actually, on Twitter, they said, uh, we need a pub key in Austin. I was like, you absolutely do. I said, um, Woke is uh, hosting a Bitcoin meetup at a bar. Bespoke is buying the bar and making every day a Bitcoin meetup. There you go. But Bedford is also one of these things uh, yep. uh, uh, now. Uh, what, 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 I don't know what we call it. I, call, I like the third place thing. Yeah, meet right? spaces. Yeah. Um, uh, but what I, I I think of them as pilgrimages. Right. A lot of people made that. You really can't be a Bitcoiner and have not gone to PubKey in New York exactly. at this point. If you go to, well, look, let me go back a step. When yeah. I first did the podcast, right, first couple of years in, what used to be very cool is I could go to a city. I could be in, I don't know, Nashville, or I could be in San Diego and say, I'm in town. Who wants a beer? Go to a pub. Twenty people will turn up. Bitcoiners want to hang with Bitcoiners. Yeah, they do. Bunch of weirdos. We're all psychos. Want to hang out together. <laughs> now what people have done is they've monetized that by creating these these spaces, and and it's very cool. But they, it becomes a destination, and it becomes a magnet, and it becomes a pilgrimage. Yeah. So if I'm in New York, pub keys a magnet. But actually, when we're planning a trip, uh, you know, we're here. Now we go to Nashville. Those two places are magnets. They draw us in. Bedford, El Salvador, they're they're pilgrimages. I think of that as like most Bitcoiners eventually want to go to El Zonte and see what that is about. Mm -hmm. Some want to come to Bedford and watch Real Bedford and it happens. So this is only going to expand. Yeah. You know, and again, it's kind of like a cheat code. That again, the cheat is like Thomas has a bar, right? Yeah. If there's no Bitcoin, that bar probably does okay. But that extra 10, 20% because of Bitcoin, that makes the difference. And I think there needs to be a lot more people not thinking about just making Bitcoin businesses making normal businesses part Bitcoin because that extra 10, 20% means, means, it, means you're going to do that a little bit better. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got a hotel in Berlin, we accept Bitcoin. Yes, that's extra 10% of people coming in. So, yes, it's just the cheat code. Love it. Uh, my friend Peter McCormack, host of What Bitcoin Did, chairman of Real Bedford FC. Thank you so much, Pete, for coming on Galaxy Brands. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. That's it for this week's episode of Galaxy Brains. Thanks to our guest, Peter McCormack uh, from What Bitcoin Did, and our friend Danny Knowles from What Bitcoin Did, too, to help make that happen. And our friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading, as always. Um, I loved this episode again. I'm a huge fan of Pete's podcast. Check out Real Bedford FC, my favorite football club in the world. And we'll catch you next week on Galaxy Brains. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email. 
read our content at galaxy.com research and follow us on Twitter at GLXY research. See you next week.